You ever been in a conversation and you both kind of know you're done talking, but you're not quite sure how to walk away and it's, there's that awkward, right, that, that awkward silence? Silence can feel uncomfortable. It can feel awkward. Yet, God himself tells us in Psalm 46, verse 10, he says this. He says to be still. He says to be still and know that I am God. Not do still, but, but be still and know that I am God. And as we've been learning over the past several weeks, we know that God's heart is not just to be with us, but to show us that he is with us. He wants you. He wants me. He wants us as a family of house churches. He wants your house church to come up the mountain and experience his presence. That's his heart. It's not just be with you, but to show you he is with you. And last Sunday, we we saw from Scripture that one of the ways God reveals His presence to us and one of the ways we experience His, experience His presence is in Scripture. But how else? How else do we encounter and experience the presence of God? A.W. Tozer, in his book, Experiencing the Presence of God, says this. He says, it is in silence that we begin to see and then hear the pulsating heart of God. All of the nervous activity of our culture hinders us from really getting to know God as he desires to reveal himself. We must overcome this American mindset that says a moment of silence is a moment wasted. The discipline of silence is the price we pay to get to know God. So how else do we experience the presence of God? Through silence and solitude. Now, I'll be completely upfront and honest. I'm horrible at this. I'm I'm. I'm horrible at silence and solitude and just being still. I just am. I, I, I don't do great at taking a day off. If I do, I feel guilty. If I'm sitting in a chair, my leg is going like this up and down all the time. I'm shaking the whole table if you're at the table with me. because my, I just can't sit still. Stillness is hard for me. I like noise. I like white noise. I mean, I, we take fans with us on vacation, probably because probably of me. I mean, I'll do my devotions with the fan on because I just like noise. I like white noise. I, I just, it, it's uncomfortable for me to be in silence and, and to be alone. And so I... I I say this because I want you to know that today's message doesn't come from a posture of expertise at all. It comes from a posture of, I need this. I'm weak in this. It, 
And yet I, I read the Bible and I read scripture and, and I see verses like Psalm 46.10 where it says, Be still and know that I am God. And, and yet in my mind, I like to be in a hurry. I like to be busy. But if we're going to experience the presence of God, that can be a problem. John Ortberg, in his book, Soul Keeping, says this. He says, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. The space where we find rest and healing for our souls is solitude. Solitude. And as we journey up into the mountain, I want us to see from Scripture that one of the ways God makes His presence known and one of the ways you and I experience the presence of God is in stillness. Silence. Solitude. Join me in Psalm 46.10. Join me in Psalm 46.10. Now the context of this psalm is God's people are experiencing their enemies are raging around them. And it's just a very crazy and chaotic time in the life of God's people. It feels like the earth is crumbling beneath their feet. It feels like the wave of life is just is too big for them to ride and to bear. And it's just this overwhelming feeling that they're experiencing. And yet when you come to Psalm 46.10, the psalmist is quoting God here. He's quoting God. So this is God telling his people this. And he says, to be still. To be still and know that I am God. And that's in the imperative, which that's a command. So God is saying, listen, in the midst of your crazy, in the midst of The chaos, he's saying, slow down, be still. It's almost the opposite of what you want to do. You want to fix it. You want to try to create, control the circumstances. And and the world around them feels like it's falling apart. And, and, And God just says, in the midst of that, he says, just be still. Well, what's that word still mean? It it literally means to let drop. To let go, to abandon, to be quiet, to be alone, put things in neutral, to cease. It's the same word in 1 Samuel 15, 16 that the prophet Samuel uses when he addresses King Saul. King Saul was given a command by God and he did not carry it out to the fullest and basically, King Saul is lying to Samuel. And in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 16, Samuel looks at Saul and he says this. Stop. Same word as still in Psalm 46, verse 10. Same Hebrew word. Stop. Stay your hand which means stop moving, don't move. So in the midst of their crazy, God is looking at his people and he's saying, you just need to have moments where you just stop. Be still. Stop moving. It's okay. 
Drop everything and be quiet and just be still. Why? Why? Psalm 46.10. Be still. Why? So that you can know that I am God. And the word know there literally means to know by experience. It has this thread of intimacy with it. So when you stop and are still and are in solitude, God engages you with his presence in an intimate way. Richard Foster, who is a Bible professor, says this. He says, the purpose of silence and solitude is to be able to see and hear. Experience, to see and hear in the silence. When I was a youth pastor, I took a handful of students probably five or six students, down to Dugspur, Virginia. I mean, we were in the hills. And these teens, we were going to run, help run a camp for like junior age kids. And so some of our students were counselors, others worked in the kitchen. And the guys, it was me and I think three, three teen boys, we stayed in a tent. And one of the teen guys was huge into stargazing. I mean, he loved the stars. And so one night we determined on a clear night, what we're going to do is when everybody's in bed, we're going to make our way to this open field and we're going to get in that open field and we're going to lie down on our backs. We're just going to look up and we're just going to look up and see the stars. And so it was probably around midnight in the middle of summer. And so we kind of make our way out of the tent. We walk through this pathway, go up to this open field. There's no outside light. There's no lights from the camp. And just open, and we just lay down, lay down on our backs, and we just looked up. Not a cloud in the sky. Clear. You could see the stars shining brightly. You could see planets. You, we saw shooting stars. You could see satellites moving. Why? There weren't clouds in the sky. It was clear. And I wonder if sometimes we look for God in all the noise. When God says, no, just remove the noise. Eliminate some of that hurry because I want to speak to you in the silence. Remove some of the clouds so that you can experience and see who I am and what I'm doing in your life. We see this throughout Scripture. Go with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, we see an example of God showing up in the silence, in the stillness, in the life of his prophet Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah has just won a huge victory for the Lord. He's just shown those who are believing in false gods that his God, our God, is the real God. So he's had this huge victory. The king at the time doesn't like it. He's maybe embarrassed, and he's angry at Elijah. And so he sends out his hitmen to execute, to, to assassinate Elijah. And Elijah gets wind of this. And we'll pick it up in verse 1 of 1 Kings 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as a life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Meaning, if you're not dead by tomorrow, then, it, then they might as well kill me, she says. So then Elijah's afraid. He, he gets up, he starts running for his life. He comes to an area called Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He leaves a servant there, so he's by himself. He goes a day's journey into the wilderness. Then go down to verse 9. 
Then he comes to a cave, and he, he climbs inside this cave. And behold, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah says, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So you have to understand, Elijah's on the run. He's discouraged, he's depressed, he's exhausted. He basically, some would even say suicidal. He's like, it'd just be better if, God, you just took me right now. Life is just too hard. I don't know if I can deal with it anymore, God. You ever been there? I have. Been there. Look what God says to Elijah. Look at where he sends him. Look at where he sends Elijah. Verse 11. In the midst of his despair and discouragement, he says this in verse 11. He says, go out and stand where? On the mountain. Come up the mountain. Before the Lord. He's saying, Elijah, in the midst of your discouragement and despair, he's like, what you need more than anything is you need to just be in my presence. You need to just be with me. You need to just be still and know that I am your God. I am with you. I love that. And that mountain that God sends him up to is the same mountain that Moses was on when he received the Ten Commandments. Same mountain. And then look how God reveals his presence to Elijah. Verse 11, God says, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? But God didn't show up in the earthquake. He didn't show up in the wind. He didn't show up in the fire. He showed up how? In the thin Silence. That's what that word or that phrase, low whisper, means. It means God shows up in the solitude. It's just Elijah and God. Just the two of them. Solitude. And God shows up in the thin silence. And we know that that's God because of Elijah's response. He wraps his face in his cloak, and then he goes out and he hears the voice of God. So Elijah's in solitude. He's on the mountain. He's in the presence of God. And God shows up just simply in the silence. I wonder sometimes if maybe you and I are looking for God to show up in the big, the the earthquake, the fire, the wind. And sometimes he does. But maybe he just simply wants to show up to you right now in the silence. And just the stillness. Just because God may, it may feel like God is being silent, that, that doesn't mean he's not present. Just because God might, it might feel like God's being silent in your life, doesn't mean that he's absent, doesn't mean that he's not present. 
It may just be he simply wants you to experience him in that silence. That might even be the purpose for the silence right now in your life. We see God showing up in silence to Elijah. We see the example of Jesus, the Son of God. Go with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 through 23. Immediately, Jesus makes the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And check this out. And after Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he, Jesus, where does he go? Up the mountain. Here's Jesus going up the mountain, the Son of God going up the mountain to experience the presence of his Father. And he goes up the mountain by himself, solitude, to pray, to be in the presence of his Father. And when evening came, he was there alone, quiet, no one else, just he and the Father, solitude. And if you look at Luke chapter 5, verse 16, you see that this was a practice of Jesus. Times of silence and solitude was, it was a practice, a priority for Jesus, for in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, But Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray. And the way that's phrased there is it, it means he would continuously do this. This was a practice of Jesus, was to get alone by himself in the presence of the Father and just be. And just be still. And know he is God. And the word desolate there literally means solitary, alone, uninhabited, quiet. So we see God showing up in the stillness to Elijah. We see Jesus making that stillness and silence and solitude a priority and a practice in his life to be in the presence of his father. And then we see Jesus telling his own disciples to do the same in the gospel of Mark chapter six. Mark chapter six, verses 30 and 32, 30 through 32. The context of this is the disciples have just been out knocking on doors, basically, telling people about Jesus. And they've been inviting people to, to repent and receive the gospel and believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah. And they've been doing that and it's been exhausting and they're tired. And in the midst of that, one of their own, John the Baptist, was beheaded because of his faith. And in previous verses to this, it says that the disciples heard of that and they went and they grabbed John the Baptist's body and they buried him. It's been, an, you talk about a hard week. Rough week. Living for Jesus. Tough week. It's hard. But look what Jesus tells them to do. Mark 6.30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they'd done and taught. And Jesus says to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. They went to a desolate, a solitary, solitude, alone place by themselves to rest, to experience the presence, to get refreshed, to get recharged for living the mission. Jesus knows that following him is hard. It's hard. 
It's exhausting. Opening up your home, preparing meals for people, trying to build a relationship with your neighbors when you'd rather just sit and watch TV. You know, all those, I mean, all those different things, those, you know, that tension and all this stuff. It's just hard. It's exhausting. And Jesus says, I get it. So go up the mountain. Find time of solitude and be in silence and experience. Be still and know that I am God. So I told you at the beginning that I'm horrible at this. I'm, I'm, I'm not good at stillness and solitude and silence. And I was convicted by, about that this week. I'm like, man, if I'm going to preach on this, I got to like, figure out how to do this. So this week I took an afternoon, about an hour, and found a little retreat center in Milford, Ohio, not far from here. Looks so overlooks the little Miami River and just took an hour and drove down this little path and there was an overlook. And I grabbed my Bible, my journal, and a pen. And I just was as com- uncomfortable as uncomfortable could be. I'm like, it's just hard. I'm like, I just wanted to talk to some- I just wanted to talk to God. I didn't want to shut up. Because it felt weird. Even if I didn't have anything to say to God, I'm just like, "Uh, I got to say something because it just feels weird. So I just, in a moment, I just was still and just paused and was quiet, opened up my Bible and just said, okay, God, I'm just going to start reading. And you say to me what you want to say to me. And so I went to Mark chapter 9, and in that passage, there is a man who says this phrase. He says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Ugh. And the Spirit started drilling down on me in that moment. And he started revealing to me that, you know, I, I believe that God can do things, but I struggle with believing that God will. I'm good. I've totally believed God's big enough, strong enough to do some miracles. But when I pray, I don't really pray believing he will. I want to give God an out. So he's not disappointed and I'm not disappointed. I just want to give him the out. And the spirit, like, so in that silence, God's revealing all this to me. And I'm like writing it down. I'm like, man, I'm a moron. I mean, this is just, God, help me. This is so bad. But then in that moment, I'm like confessing that, God, now you Help me, Spirit, help me believe that, start praying and believing that you will. And then he drilled down more in me. He's like, yeah, you really don't believe I will because you don't really believe I love you because if you believed I loved you, then you, you wouldn't need to worry about stuff. Because you really believe that I love you, Mark, then I got you. What are you freaking out about? What are you, what are you worried about? What are you, why? Because then, so, and all that, all, like that happened in an hour. And I'm just going, man. But then I was just like confessing that to the Lord. And then I was just, the Lord was just like, I love you. And I walked away from that hour going, let's roll. I'm, we're going all in on this Jesus. I mean, he's exposing things about my heart. And yet he still loves me. And so I'm, be still. And know that I'm God. So what's that look like? How do you do this solitude, silence thing? Don Whitney, who is um, a professor at um, a seminary in Louisville, and 
has written numerous books on spiritual discipline, says this about solitude. He says, the sort of solitude that refreshes the Christian soul is more than just separation from other people. Scriptural solitude is the biblical practice of temporarily withdrawing to privacy for spiritual purposes. The period of solitude may last only a few minutes or for days. Generally, it is sought in order to engage in other spiritual disciplines without the distractions of typical, that are typical in the presence of people. So let me give you some helps, okay, for experiencing God in silence and solitude. These do not come from my personal experience. This comes from reading. All right, so I'm, I'm with you in this journey. But one thing is that if we're going to practice solitude, it makes sense that you need to be alone. If you're going to do this. All right, you need to be alone. You need to maybe find a specific place for your solitude. Now, for busy mommies, all right, with little ones running everywhere, that place might be the bathroom. Serious. It just might be kind of hard to find some solitude when the kids are little. It might be a park, your back deck, a bedroom, a front seat of your car. Use your commute to and from work. Turn off the radio. Turn off the podcast. All right? Just be silent. Be quiet. But go with the intention of hearing from God. Maybe you're just going to have scripture playing. But use your commute to and from work. No radio, no noise, pray. Just listen in the silence. That was my struggle when I sat there. I'm like, man, this just feels so uncomfortable. And then it was like the spirit just was like, just embrace that. Embrace it being uncomfortable. Embrace that. Be still and know that I am God. Listen in the silence. Let your mind and your soul thaw out. <laughs> I loved that when I read that. I'm like, oh, it's such a good phrase. We just need to thaw out from the busyness, from the hurry, from the noise. Take your Bible, take a pen, take a journal, no phone. Read, meditate on Scripture and just read. And just, just read and let the Spirit of God take the truth of God and impress what He wants to say to you on your heart. And then I, I would encourage you to find those little solitude moments throughout your day, early morning, before bed at night, the commute, as we said, those kinds of things. And then build times of solitude into your calendar. We have to help each other with this, right? If you have kids or whatever, and, and you're just like, I got to have some, then we might need to help each other build this into our calendars. And that's what we're here for. It's the church to help us experience and be in the presence of God. And so... I told you how I went to that one retreat center and God ripped me apart and put me back together again. It was awesome. It was so good. Loved it. I'm like, man, that's good. So I found about another hour and went to my favorite spot that I'm not going to tell you where that is. And I went to my favorite spot when I get moments sometimes. And I went there and I just took my Bible and sat in the chair. And, and as I was thinking and praying over this morning and thinking about my own life and hurry and reading the scripture... Some things came to mind that I thought I needed to share with us as it relates to just hurry, especially in our American culture. And I want to speak specifically now quickly to, to moms and dads and those that look one day to be a mom or dad. So let me, let me read to you what I hadn't pulled out my phone. I didn't have my phone in this one. I just started writing out. 
I said, moms and dads and future moms and dads, if your life is in such a hurry and you're running from this to that and you have no time to be still and know he is God, you are sending a message to your kids that what's got you in a hurry is more important than God in his presence. And if your kids' lives are in such a hurry and you're running them from this to that and that to this and these things to those things and those things to other things, and some of those things may not be bad things, but they, they don't have any time to sit with you and be still and know he is God, then those things have become bad things. Some of us need to say no for our kids so they can say yes and see that being still and knowing he is God is the better thing. Right here. Just because you may not be feeling God's presence doesn't mean God is not present. He may show up in the silence. Be still and know that he is God. I'm going to ask the band to come. So let me give us a couple challenges, okay? We see in Scripture that God instructs us through the life of Christ, through the commandment of Scripture, through his encouragement to his disciples that being still and knowing God is a means in which we experience the presence of God. It's how, one of the ways we come up the mountain and experience his presence. And it's interesting to me as I was reading this that in each one of those cases where God showed up in the silence, Elijah was what? He was living all out for Jesus. Jesus, all out for Jesus. I got to go to the mountain. Disciples, knocking on doors, living the mission. Living the mission. And I think Jesus understands, listen, when you are truly all in with me and you are living for me and you are living out this mission, it's exhausting. It's great. And so it's okay to say no to hurry so can, you can say yes to being still and knowing he is God. It's okay. So, so here's the challenge for us. I want you to, to spend 30 to 60 minutes this week in complete silence and solitude with God. 30 to 60 minutes. Find a spot. Practice that and just spend that in quiet with God. Take your Bible, take a journal, take, take a pen and just experience and know that he is God in that moment. And let him speak to your heart through the truth of his word as the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. Be still and know that he's got so many amazing things have come from being still. God has done in the stillness. We're a part of something called Living Church that came through moments of being still in my life. Being still and quiet and saying, God, what do you want? Going to a park and just sitting there, God, what do you want next for me? What do you want next? And just sitting there, I'm like, wow, church, I'm reading Acts. I'm going, what? God can do amazing things in your life and just being still and knowing he is God. So the challenge is this. Again, 30 to 60 minutes. Silence, solitude, you and God. You and God.
be still and know that he is God. As they play, I want us for a moment to be still. If you have a Bible and you want to just start reading, read. You want to talk to him, talk to him. You just want to sit and be still. And allow God in this moment to speak to your heart through the truth of who he is, the truth of his word. As we come up the mountain and experience his presence, in the silence, in the solitude, in the stillness.